your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 562 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. That song you're hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And there is really no way to sugarcoat this one. This was... Uh, what I would consider probably the Rangers' absolute worst performance of the season. They go into New Jersey, fresh off of all their trade deadline moves, and they lose 7-4 to four to the Devils. This despite the fact that the Rangers got off to a great start in this game, really uh, you know, had their legs moving in the first period, built themselves a 2-0 lead, really looked good overall. You know, Some of the uh, new acquisitions I thought had a strong first period, and, and mostly I think uh, Andrew Kopp, Tyler Mott, Justin Braun mostly had solid debuts for the Rangers. We're going to break down all of their performances in much greater detail in due time here. But all of a sudden, in the second period, about five minutes into the second period, uh, the wheels fell off. And it just happened so suddenly. I mean, I mentioned this in my Locked On Now video that I put up on Twitter not too long ago. But this game turned so suddenly, so out of nowhere, so inexplicably, more so than any Ranger game this season. The only game that I could maybe compare this to is a game that the Rangers actually ended up winning, and that was when they were up 2-0 against the Blues. Late in the second period, the Blues score three quick goals at the end of the second uh, to take a 3-2 lead. Again, just a complete 180, totally out of nowhere, and then the Rangers came storming back to win that game, but there was not any comeback in this one tonight. They just dug themselves way too big of a hole and frankly just didn't play well enough because... You know, like I said, first period was great. I thought the first five minutes of the second period were very solid as well. It looked like the Rangers might even build themselves uh, an even bigger lead, you know, get it up to 3 nothing. But instead, suddenly this team could not clear the puck out of its own zone. They were playing really poorly in the neutral zone. A lot of giveaways in the neutral zone, a lot of turnovers in general, giving up odd man rushes left and right, defensive breakdowns. So many goals were scored by the Devils where it seemed like every player for the Rangers on the ice, just had no idea, you know, where they were, what they were doing, just guys caught out of position, and of course, Igor Shesterkin did not have his A game either. He's run into a little bit of what I guess we could call a slump in recent games here, but uh, by Igor Shesterkin standards, that pretty much just means that he hasn't been a human cheat code in recent games, and I do think he'll get out of this sooner rather than later, and like I said, didn't get a lot of help tonight, way too many turnovers, and just guys getting caught out of position, and there was only so much he could do, and some of these goals scored by the Devils, you got to give at least a little bit of credit to the opposition. They uh, were of the highlight reel variety, some some really impressive looking goals scored by the Devils. And it's weird because, you know, the Devils, they might very well finish dead last in the Atlantic Division. If they don't, they're probably going to come in second to last place. But for one reason or another, this team always seems to put its best foot forward against the New York Rangers. And I realize, you know, coming into tonight's game, the Rangers had beaten the Devils eight consecutive games. That's a streak that goes back to last season. But yeah, I mean, when you watch this team play against the Rangers, it doesn't seem like it's a cellar dweller. 
They seem to rise to the occasion. And once again, I don't know if it's just a case of getting up for, you know, a matchup against a division rival. But yeah, Devils look great today. I have to imagine it's one of their best games of the season. But by that same token, one of the absolute worst games of the season for the New York Rangers. And I want to go ahead and kind of break down the lineup decisions because obviously we got some new Rangers in town, as I alluded to a second ago. So first of all, the line combinations. The top six remained the same that they had been uh, coming into this game, the last few games that the Rangers had played. Everything was pretty much intact. They did make some in-game adjustments, especially in the third period. The lines were juggled and, you know, a lot of Rangers were benched for a good chunk of that third period. And in some cases, I think Ryan Reeves is benched for the entire third period. Uh, so we'll get to that in a second as well. But going into this game, again, line combinations were the same. You had the normal top line of Mika Zibanejad Center and Chris Kreider and Alexi Lafreniere. They struck early for the first goal of this game. You also had Artemi Panarin with Ryan Strom at center and then Frank Vetrano on the right wing. Now, for the time being, I'm okay with Vetrano continuing to play the right wing on this line. As I've discussed, I think his sniping ability goes really well with the passing ability of both Ryan Strom and Artemi Panarin. But with the trades that the Rangers made, they obviously now have some more options and some more lineup flexibility. So, you know, maybe at a certain point we see Andrew Kopp getting a chance on the second line with Strom and with Panarin. That's at least possible. For the time being, though, I'd give Vetrano at least one more game there. Uh, like I said, I just like that trio together. I just think it makes sense. We had a third line of Andrew Kopp on the left wing, Philip Hedl at center, Dryden Hunt on the right wing, and then the fourth line was Barclay Goodrow centering Tyler Mott and Ryan Reeves. And in our most recent episode of Locked On New York Rangers, we obviously reacted to the moves that the Rangers made at the deadline and kind of pitched some ideas as far as who could be playing with who, as far as uh, line combinations and defense pairings were concerned. And this is one of two different alignments that I came up with. They pretty much did exactly uh, what I thought that they would end up doing here. Uh, my first idea was to have a third line of Philip Heedle with Andrew Kopp and Barclay Goodrow, and then maybe take Hunt out of the lineup and have either McKaig or Brodzinski centering the fourth line along with Mott and Reeves on the fourth line. But then when I thought about it a little bit more, I really didn't want to take Dryden Hunt out of the lineup. I know he catches some flack from Ranger fans, and of course, his upside is very, very limited, but he is somebody that plays his tail off and I think has had a solid season for himself and has certainly exceeded expectations in his first season with the New York Rangers. So then I came up with the second potential alignment, and that's what the Rangers ended up doing tonight, and that was uh, Dryden Hunt actually playing on the third line rather than being scratched, and he's there with Heedle and Kopp, and then you have a fourth line that can really throw its weight around a little bit, Barclay Goodrow centering Tyler Mott and Ryan Reeves. So that's what they went with. I think uh, we'll probably see something similar in the next game. Obviously, this game didn't go the Rangers' way, but I wouldn't imagine that they would reinvent the wheel in the next game. I could maybe see Andrew Kopp jumping up to the second line and uh, Frank Vitrano moving down to the third line. I think that's at least possible, but I don't think you're going to see like a lineup out of a hat, line combinations out of a hat type of a situation or anything like that. I don't think they're going to go reinventing the wheels after this game. And of course, the defense pairings are the same for the most part. The top four are all the same. Patrick Nemeth is on the left side on the third pairing, and you've got Justin Braun also making his New York Ranger debut. He plays alongside Patrick Nemeth. He plays on the right side on the third pairing. So if you're keeping score at home, this is about the 17th or 18th different defense Defensive partner for Patrick Nemeth this season. I'm exaggerating to make the point, obviously, but you get the idea. Rangers have obviously had a little bit of a revolving door as it pertains to the uh, third pairing there. And this also means, you know, adding these three new players to the lineup, first of all, it means that the Rangers are now a better and deeper team, despite once again, uh, 
pretty much disastrous performance tonight. I, I still think these trades are going to work out in the long run, but it also means you add three players, three guys got to come out of the lineup, and those three players end up being Braden Schneider, Greg McKaig, and Johnny Brodzinski. And McKaig and Brodzinski, I kind of had a feeling it might end up being those two when you kind of just look at the way the Rangers have you know, establish a certain pecking order as the season has gone on. I felt like Dryden Hunt would probably end up staying in the lineup. And, you know, if his spot is secure, it means that other people have to come out and they ended up being Greg McKagan, and Johnny Brodzinski. You won't really get much of an argument from me there. I mean, you look at this lineup and I think uh, those were the two forwards that it made the most sense to come out. Just that simple. It's just kind of a numbers game. It is what it is. We'll see if they get another crack at it. I have a feeling, and again, we're going to get into this a little bit later, but I have a feeling we could end up seeing Ryan Reeves being a healthy scratch in the next game. Now, I am not campaigning for Reeves to be a long-term healthy scratch, but after taking a really bad penalty in this game and uh, you know just not really playing all that well in general, uh, Reeves was benched for the entire third period of this game. So, he might come out of the lineup. Maybe McKegg goes back in. Maybe Brodzinski goes back in. We'll see how they look to do it. Uh, but again, I, I think the Rangers made the right decision pulling Brodzinski, who I think has played well, and pulling Greg McKegg out of the lineup. And even McKegg, you know, I know he catches a lot of flack from Ranger fans as well. Greg McKegg, for what he is, does his job. There's nothing flashy. There's nothing exciting about his game. There's no upside to speak of whatsoever, but he goes out there and works hard as a fourth liner and penalty killer. The guy that I really felt for, though, that had to come out of the lineup, obviously to make room for the newly acquired Justin Braun, was Braden Schneider, and we're going to talk about that decision as well as the uh, Ranger debuts of the three new players. We're going to get into all that in just a second, but first, I just want to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked on New York Rangers is brought to you by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh delivers pre-portioned ingredients to your door, including farm fresh produce that arrives within a week, so you get convenience without skimping on quality. Skip the trip to the grocery store, saving you the weight in long lines and ensuring you don't waste money on excess food. HelloFresh has fit and wholesome recipes for satisfying and nutritious meals that you can feel good about with six recipes per week to choose from, including low-calorie and carb-conscious options. I'm a big fan of HelloFresh because it allows me to make dinner quick and efficiently. And once again, you're not skimping on either cost or quality. And I get dinner done in time to sit down and watch the New York Rangers when I'm all done. Go to HelloFresh.com slash LockedOn16 and use code LockedOn16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Go to HelloFresh.com slash LockedOn16 and use code LockedOn16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. All right, and just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. All right, so like I talked about, I do feel for Braden Schneider here, and I will say this as someone who... You know, over the last 24 hours or so, you get some time to let the dust settle and kind of collect your thoughts as far as all the moves being made around the NHL and specifically the moves that the Rangers made and the players that they brought in during yesterday's trade deadline frenzy. And, you know, Justin Braun, at first, I wasn't really feeling it. And even now, it's not my favorite move that the Rangers have ever made. And of the guys that they brought in, I think this is my least favorite of all the moves. But with that said, 
a couple of you guys reached out to me, you know, either in the comments section on YouTube or in social media, wherever it might be. Uh, you guys seem to be uh, in favor of this move for the most part because it gives the Rangers a little bit more depth and certainly some more experience on their blue line. Those are all valid points because, you know, yes, I, I think the Rangers, if they didn't trade for a defenseman before the deadline, they could probably go into the playoffs with the six defensemen that have been playing night in and night out, and I think that's a pretty solid bunch right there, but... If any of them gets injured and you're playing with fire, just assuming that you know none of your top six defensemen are going to get injured between the end of the regular season and the entire playoffs, which we hope is you know a lengthy run, and you know before the Braun trade, if any of those players, the top six players, the guys that have been playing night in and night out, were to have gotten injured, then that means the Rangers' only options at that point would have been Zach Jones or Libor Hayek, and. Listen, Zach Jones has got some upside, he's got some promise, but he is a little bit of an undersized defenseman, and he is very young and very inexperienced in general in the NHL. And Libor Hayek, you know, I think that he takes a lot more abuse from Ranger fans than he probably deserves to take, but he's not a superstar player by any stretch of the imagination, and certainly Justin Braun would be a better uh, option than Libor Hayek. But I do feel for Braden Schneider because this kid was called up as a 20-year-old. I think, uh, you know, his first game out there for the Rangers was probably one of the best games that he's played. He looked like he belonged right away, and sometimes that's half the battle. He's somebody who plays physical. He's chipped in offensively from time to time, and this was actually the first time all season that he's been a healthy scratch since the Rangers called him up from the Hartford Wolfpack. And with Braun, again, I can appreciate the fact that he does add some depth to this New York Ranger team. And obviously, again, 100 career uh, Stanley Cup playoff games. He went to the finals with the Sharks about six years ago, give or take. So it's a fine pickup. But again, I'm just not 100% convinced that he's this massive upgrade on Braden Schneider. And granted, I don't watch every single Philadelphia Flyers game. I mean, who would even want to do that this season with the kind of year that they're having? But I would like to present at least a little bit of a counter argument to those who are saying that you know, Braden Schneider at the age of 20 wouldn't be a good option for the Rangers this year in the playoffs because he's inexperienced. It's a fine point to make, but I don't think that being young is necessarily like this, oh my God, we can't possibly have this guy in our lineup in the playoffs. And if the Rangers end up having Braden Schneider as a healthy scratch in the playoffs and Justin Braun plays this season, then what's going to happen is we're going to fast forward a year here and presumably the Rangers are going to be uh, next season once again, a playoff team. I don't think any of us would bet against the Rangers making the playoffs next season. And if you go with Justin Braun this this season for the playoffs, which certainly seems like it's the plan, and you don't play Braden Schneider at all in the postseason, then you're going to have the same issue at this time next season. You're going to be closing in on a playoff spot, and oh man, Braden Schneider's only 21, because he's going to be 21 at this time next season, and he's never played in a Stanley Cup playoff game. Well, sooner or later, you got to put this guy into a Stanley Cup playoff game. I mean, he's somebody that the Rangers took in the first round, and obviously they have big plans for him. I think he's going to be a Ranger for uh, many seasons to come. Chris Jury seems to be a big fan of his. The Rangers trade up to get him in the draft uh, in 2020, so you know that they obviously like him if they made the move to you know move up a couple of spots and get their guy. So sooner or later, he's got to play in the playoffs. I'd rather him you know, have a little bit of trial by fire this year and get his feet wet in the postseason, and just see what he can do. He might go out there and play great in the playoffs. None of us know for sure one way or the other just yet. You can't just say that he's 20, so that means he's not going to be any good in the playoffs. And I understand that at this time next season, he'll have that much more NHL experience under his belt. But again, 
If you don't play him in the postseason this year, then he'll be 21 next year, and you'll have the same situation on your hands. You'll have Braden Schneider. Oh, man, he's never played in the playoffs. What are we going to do? Are you going to bring in another 35-year-old defenseman as a rental next season because you're too afraid to put 21-year-old Braden Schneider into a playoff game? So that's where I stand on the whole matter. Again, Justin Braun, I've got nothing against him. I think it's a fine pickup. But I am hoping that Braden Schneider at least still gets to mix into the lineup here and there and hopefully is at least an option for this team in the playoffs. I mean, I think between Nemeth and Braun and Schneider himself, I think it should be somewhat of an open competition. And whoever's playing best at the end of the season and whoever you feel good about, if you're a member of the New York Ranger coaching staff, those are the two guys that should be in the lineup, whichever two of the three of them are playing best. And obviously, if Nemeth comes out of the lineup, that complicates things because Braden Schneider and Justin Braun, to my knowledge at least, only play the right side. Now, we'll see if one of them could switch sides. I would think if one of them was going to switch, it would probably be Braun because he's a veteran and, you know, he could handle that a little bit better than a rookie could. But we'll see. They got some options going forward. That's never a bad thing. And who knows? Maybe at a certain point, the rest of this regular season or even into the postseason, we see the Rangers roll with seven defensemen. I think that's a little bit unlikely at this point, given the fact that the Rangers just added Andrew Kopp as well as Tyler Mott and are suddenly very crowded at the forward position. And that doesn't even take into consideration the fact that the Rangers will hopefully be getting Capo Caco as well as Kevin Rooney back into the fold at some point this season and heading into the postseason. So I don't know that they're going to go with 11 forwards and seven defensemen, at least not with any kind of regularity. But obviously, they do have some options now, and like we were talking about, that is definitely a good thing. We're going to continue breaking this one down. I got to get into the debut performances of all the latest New York Rangers and also get into some of the highlights, the relatively small amount of highlights, as well as some lowlights as well. I'm not going to go ahead and, you know, walk us through all seven New Jersey Devil goals because I don't think we all need to collectively suffer through all seven of them like we did before. But I will share uh, just some casual observations on, once again, some of the highlights and lowlights because, as I always say on here, even in a bad game, you can always pull at least a couple of positives out of it. And uh, we're going to do our best to do that in just a second. But first, just want to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Bar. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right, thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. All Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, puffs included, 100% real chocolate. Low calorie, high protein, replace your candy bars with these, they are better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. At Built Bar, they are all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, then they figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how they do it, but they pull it off every single time. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, so when I watch these games, I typically take notes. Well, I always take notes, but I did it a little bit differently tonight. I had kind of a separate section where I was taking notes specifically on the three newest New York Rangers, uh, that being Andrew Kopp, Tyler Mott, 
and Justin Braun. And I kind of just wrote down everything that I saw them do, good, bad, or indifferent, throughout the night. And I figured I would just kind of share some thoughts on these guys and how they looked in their Ranger debut. Because, again, even in a really, really bad performance like this, there are some positives to take out of it. And I think for the most part, the new guys acclimated themselves pretty well with their new team. And we'll start with Andrew Kopp. He's kind of the... Uh, the headline grabber of everybody that the Rangers acquired as far as the moves that they made on trade deadline day. So we'll start with him. I think Ranger fans certainly have high expectations for him. As I mentioned, if Cop is going to play on the third line and on the same line as Philip Hedel, I would like to see Cop play center and Hedel play wing. We've been over this and over this and over this on this podcast. I just think Philip Hedel's game is better suited for the wing. There's less defensive responsibility. You can better take advantage of his speed, and he doesn't have to worry about faceoffs, which is something that he's not really all that good at. Uh, with Andrew Kopp, you know, very physical player and somebody, you know, he he's very versatile and he can play any of the positions himself, but he's also won 54% of his faceoffs this season. That's quite a step up from Philip Hedel. So I just like the idea of Kopp at center, Hedel at wing. But again, the Rangers seem very, very committed to making Philip Hedl a center. I believe I remember seeing something earlier this season where that's Hedl's preference as well. He prefers to play center over wing. And so for the time being, at least, seems like they're going to stick with Philip Hedl at center and uh, Cop on the left wing, at least for tonight. But Cop had a nice debut and he did end up taking some faceoffs. He wins 53% of them to be exact. And in fact, one of his faceoff wins led directly to a New York Ranger goal that made the score two to nothing. Uh, basically, Cop is taking the draw in the left faceoff circle in the attacking zone, and he wins the faceoff clean to his left to Mika Zibanejad. Mika takes the puck, moving to his right. He's initially looking to shoot, but then he dishes to his right to Adam Fox, and Fox basically just lets it fly from the right faceoff circle. It beats Dawes, and the Rangers have a two to nothing lead. So Andrew Cop gets his first point as a New York Ranger, comes through with a face-off win uh, to set the entire play up. And you guys know, if you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time, I'm big on face-off wins, especially come playoff time when draws are magnified even more than they are in the regular season. Something else I noticed about Andrew Kopp is that he immediately stepped into a role on the Ranger penalty kill unit. I certainly thought that this could be the case. I was thinking he might even see some time on the second power play unit, and he ended up getting 24 seconds of power play time. By then, it was the third period, and the game was out of hand, and I'm sure they just wanted to get Cop a look on the power play unit, the top power play unit. In fact, he was in there in place of Artemi Panarin, and he actually ends up getting a primary assist on a goal by Chris Kreider. Fox basically took a shot from the right circle, and Andrew Kopp redirected it. It goes to Chris Kreider. Kreider scores from the doorstep, goal number 42 for Chris Kreider, uh, but nice to see Andrew Kopp again on a rough night for the Rangers, getting his first two assists and uh, doing so here with a really nice redirection and getting the puck to Chris Kreider on the doorstep is never a bad play. Uh, Andrew Kopp obviously found that out firsthand uh, with this pass that he made to Chris Kreider. Again, just an unreal season, 42 goals that Kreider is now up to. But getting back to Kopp here, you know, I mentioned a second ago that he saw a lot of time on the penalty kill, and the first time that the Rangers were shorthanded on the night, he was out there uh, alongside Barclay Goodrow. I believe the defensemen at that point were Fox and Lindgren, uh, but either way, Andrew Kopp ended up leading all New York Rangers in this game with three minutes and 32 seconds of ice time on the penalty kill. So obviously he's somebody that the Rangers are going to look to in that situation whenever they're shorthanded. Rangers obviously have a very strong penalty kill unit. They're in the top 10 in the league. And Andrew Kopp is somebody who uh, does very well at killing penalties and should probably step into a role and help a good unit become even better down the stretch here. 
But Cop had a solid debut. There was one other play that I wanted to highlight real quick here. There was an instance where the Devils were trying to clear their zone, and Cop stepped up, intercepted the pass, and uh, ended up taking a shot just wide of the Devils' net. So he came uh, fairly close to maybe even getting his first goal as a New York Ranger, uh, but he'll have to settle for the uh, two-assist night in his debut. And uh, obviously, you know, somebody that the Rangers have very high hopes for going forward and somebody that... You know, as I discussed in yesterday's episode, I feel like he's one of those players that's just a B-plus at everything. You know, he's got just a solid all-around game. Maybe not a superstar in any one singular uh, aspect of the game, but just rock-solid all-around skill set and uh, somebody that's going to really help this team down the stretch. And in his Ranger debut, he ends up with the aforementioned two assists. He was a minus one overall, put two shots on goal, two hits. One giveaway, two takeaways, 17 minutes and 39 seconds of ice time. And as we also mentioned, 24 seconds on the man advantage, 332 while the Rangers were shorthanded. Let's go ahead and talk about Tyler Mott here. And let me just say, before we really get into the details here, Vancouver Canucks fans love this guy. They absolutely adore him. I can't even tell you how many different people either commented on the YouTube version of this podcast or you know, uh, reached out to me on social media, commented on, you know, something that I posted on social media. They love this guy. And, you know, watching him closely tonight, it's pretty easy to understand why. He's just a tenacious player. Again, not the biggest guy on the rink, but I mean, he darts around the ice like he's fired out of a cannon. And I thought had a very strong night overall for the Rangers. Plays physical despite, once again, not being the biggest guy on the rink. Uh, he ends up with 13 minutes and six seconds of ice time. He also had four shots on goal and three hits to go along with 32 seconds of time on the ice while the Rangers were shorthanded. And again, you know, I kind of took some notes on Mott throughout the night. I saw him uh, finish a check on a devil defenseman near the Ranger blue line at the end of the first period. And there was a shift that really stood out for me uh, early in the second period. This is before, you know, everything fell apart for the Rangers, but Ma and really the entire fourth line had a really strong shift early in the second period. They kept the puck deep in the devil's zone for a long time. You were starting to think that maybe the Rangers were about to make it three, nothing. It did not come to pass. And, you know, during this whole extended offensive zone time here, Mott took a shot that was blocked by a devil defenseman. Uh, but, He's not afraid to put the puck at the net. We saw that with the four shots on goal here tonight. He also had a really big hit on the forecheck during the shift that followed the Devils' goal that made it 2-2. Two to two. And as I've said in the past, I like the idea of the Rangers going with the fourth line after a goal is scored. The Rangers, at times in previous seasons, have kind of struggled on the shift that immediately follows a goal. But it was nice to see Mott aggressively get in there on the forecheck, deliver a big hit, once again, right after the Devils had tied it 2-2. Two two. It obviously didn't stop the forthcoming onslaught from the Devils here, but uh, it was still good to see Mott, you know, assert himself on the shift following a goal. He also made a really nice touch pass in the neutral zone when the Rangers were down 5-3. to three. This kind of sprang Philip Hedl into the zone, and Hedl went in, uh, you know, full head of steam toward the net, tried to backhand at home, was not able to do so, but again, just a really nice instinctive pass there from Tyler Mott, and, uh, one other play that stood out, when the Rangers were down 7-4, to four, and again, you know, I realized, you know, they're obviously having some issues by this point in the game, but I did notice Mott swoop around behind the Devil's Net uh, very quickly and tried to score on a wraparound. Came fairly close to doing so. So, again, very tenacious player, a guy that plays every shift like it's his last and somebody that I'm looking forward to watching uh, in the days to come here. And then we come to Justin Braun, and again, you know, I joked earlier that this is Patrick Nemeth's 17th defense partner this season. That really is what it feels like, uh, but... 
There were a couple plays that stood out in a positive way. He made a really nice outlet pass to Andrew Kopp in the first period, and then Kopp passed to his right to Dryden Hunt. Hunt went in, took a shot, save was made, so it didn't lead to anything, but he got control of the puck, got the play moving in the opposite direction, and uh, sort of led the Rangers into a scoring opportunity there. It was uh, Braun to Kopp to Hunt. Unfortunately, the save was made uh, by Dawes. But right after the Devil goal that made it 2-1, to one, uh, there was a play where the Devils dumped the puck into the Rangers zone. They were in on the forecheck very aggressively, and Braun very calmly collected the puck, went behind the Ranger net, moved it up the boards and out of the zone. And again, it's one of those plays that's not going to appear on you know top 10 plays of the night or anything like that, but uh, he looked very much like a veteran defenseman on that play. Now, obviously, the Rangers gave up a ton of goals in this game, was on a banner night for any of the Ranger defensemen, and Braun had a hand in that as well. Uh, but I'm not going to judge somebody in one game. Again, I was lukewarm to this trade. I've warmed up to it at least a little bit you know, in the 24 hours that have passed since the Rangers made this move, or I guess closer now to about 36 hours, whatever it might be. Uh, but we'll see uh, how he fares with the Rangers going forward. I think it's only fair that we give all these new New York Ranger players uh, a chance to get their feet wet and acclimate themselves to their new surroundings and their new teammates. And like I said, very much looking forward to seeing what all three of these guys can do going forward. And I should probably even throw Frank Vetrano in there as well, because he's obviously a fairly new Ranger as well. Only played in his fourth game with the Blue Shirts earlier tonight. So uh, yeah, Chris Drury again, really nice job fortifying this team, adding some valuable death pieces and not giving up uh, a whole heck of a lot to do it. I mean, yeah, they gave away a few draft picks, but I think the price was right for pretty much all of these guys. I'm also definitely uh, keeping my fingers crossed that Artemi Panarin is going to be okay. He was uh, doubled over and uh, you know went to the locker room briefly after an awkward collision in the neutral zone with Sharon Govich. Uh, you know, again, I don't think it was a dirty hit or anything like that by Sharon Govich. They just bumped into each other very awkwardly. Panarin went down and uh, Ryan Strom went after Sharon Govich and ended up taking a penalty for that. It's just kind of the way it goes in the NHL right now when somebody knocks down the star player, whether it's clean or dirty, it seems like, uh, you know, trouble is going to find that player very soon thereafter. And, you know, Strom sticking up for his teammate there and uh, somebody that certainly seems to be a close friend of his. But, you know, Panarin came back. He ended up having an assist later in this game. I'm just keeping my fingers crossed that, uh, you know, this isn't a long-term thing, that he is okay. And uh, he'll be right back out there on Friday when the Rangers square off with the Pittsburgh Penguins, a game that's really important, a game that could determine or at least help determine which of the two teams ends up with home ice advantage in the first round of the playoffs. Very, very likely that they could end up even playing each other in the first round. And obviously that game could go a long way to, again, determining which team finishes second, which team finishes third, and ultimately who will have home ice advantage in that first round of the postseason. But again, fingers crossed that Panarin's going to be okay. As far as some real quick positives to take from this game, Alexi Lafreniere now has an assist in four straight games, which I believe is a new career high for him. I said that, you know, simply by way of him moving up to the first line and playing alongside Mika Zibajad and Chris Kreider, who are both having outstanding seasons, his assist totals were bound to see an uptick. And that Ranger first goal was a blue-collar goal. Uh, Lafreniere had a chance to bank it off of Dawes and into the net. He wasn't able to do so, but the puck went back to him. He passes in front to Kreider. And uh, Cryer takes a shot, save is made there, but Mika Zibanejad's there to bury the rebound, give the Rangers a one to nothing lead. So Lafreniere uh, continues to produce points, produce assists. Uh, Alex Georgiev got some ice time. He didn't necessarily do all that great. He gave up two goals on seven shots, but he has played better recently. And like we said, it seems that Alex Georgiev does a lot better when he's getting at least semi-regular playing time. And I realize, you know, he didn't start this game. He only plays 20 minutes instead of a full 60 minutes. But nevertheless, he at least gets some ice time, even if it didn't go all that well. Uh, hopefully that bodes well for Alex Georgiev when he makes his next start, whenever that might be. And then, of course, 
Got to end today's episode by talking about the decision from Gerard Gallant to bench Ryan Reeves, Dryat Hunt, and Alexi Lafreniere in the third period. The Rangers rolled with three lines in the third, and those lines were uh, a little bit different from how the Rangers started the game. You had Barclay Goodrow playing with Artemi Panarin and Ryan Strom, and that line produced a goal when Ryan Strom scored. You also had Hedl centering Vetrano and Mott, and then you finally had... Andrew Kopp moving up to the top line to join Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider. Now, let's just break this down and talk about the three players that were taken off the ice for the vast majority of the third period. Uh, once again, Lafreniere, Dryan Hunt, and Ryan Reeves. With Reeves, I have no issues with this whatsoever. Reeves took a really, really bad penalty when the Rangers were really scuffling in the second period. You know, him and Mason Geertsen were kind of going at it for pretty much the whole game, you know, obviously exchanging words here and there. But he's behind Geertsen, and he just chops him in the back of the leg with his stick and just takes an obvious slashing penalty. And then he's arguing the call. Like, it was clear as day that this was a slash and came at a really inopportune time. You know, Reeves earlier in the season was taking some undisciplined and foolish penalties when he didn't really need to. And for a long time, he cleaned that up, but it's kind of creeping back in uh, a little bit recently. It seems like Reeves is taking too many penalties when the situation simply does not call for it. It's not like, you know, he's taking penalties when the Rangers are back on their heels and trying to pre prevent a goal. He's taking penalties in the offensive zone, uh, once again, in situations where he just doesn't need to. And so for that reason, I have no issue with Reeves being benched in the third period. I really like Ryan Reeves. I like what he brings to the table for the Rangers, but I think the, the punishment fit the crime here. You know, that was a just terrible penalty. And, um... Again, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see Reeves as a healthy scratch in the next game, especially when you consider how crowded it's gotten as far as the Ranger forwards are concerned. So we'll see how that shakes out. Dryden Hunt, I mean, look, the Rangers are trailing, and he's not exactly a source of, you know, offensive prowess, shall we say. I like Dryden Hunt. He works hard, but there's other guys that have a better chance to chip in offensively than he does. So I understand that. Alexi Lafreniere, I mean, I don't know. I think he was just kind of the odd man out. Gallant said that it wasn't just him, and, you know, he didn't say anything to throw Lafreniere under the bus after the game, uh, but those three, like I said, they barely played in the third. Uh, Hunt and Lafreniere got out there eventually past the midway point of the third period. Reeves didn't play at all, and I personally wouldn't have benched Alexi Lafreniere, but if they were really committed to only playing three lines, then I can at least somewhat understand this, because you're obviously not going to pull somebody like Mott or cop out of the lineup because they're making their Ranger debut, and you want them to get acclimated and get as much ice time as possible in a situation like this. Uh, you know, just getting used to playing with their new teammates and their new surroundings. And uh, on top of that, I thought Cop and Mott played very well. So uh, it's unfortunate that Lafreniere had to come out and get benched. I really don't think that that was deserved, but uh, I don't think this is going to be a lingering thing. I would expect him to be back up there uh, with Zibanejad and with Kreider in the next game because, like, like we've been saying, that line has played pretty well together recently. Uh, but that will pretty much do it for today, guys. Just a really bad performance by the Rangers. But the good news is that this team really shows a knack for bouncing back from really tough outings. You know, far more often than not this season, we've seen the Rangers follow up a bad performance with a really good performance and typically a win. And I look for the Rangers to do exactly that on Friday against the Pittsburgh Penguins. But that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day.
In our next episode, we're very likely going to do a crossover with Locked On Winnipeg Jets. Want to talk to Harrison about the acquisition of Andrew Kopp and let him tell us all about uh, somebody who's played for his team for several seasons prior to Monday's trade deadline. Now make your second listen, Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Host Steel Rodine and Flip Livingston help you become the expert of your fantasy league. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts.